All right, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of uh, of Everybody Needs a Nudge. I got a special guest, a, a guy who's, uh, whose life has been intertwined with mine since he was about 14 and I was about 16. Um, you guys probably all know him from his amazing podcast, Rink Shrinks. Uh, Mike Motto joining us today. How uh, you doing, Mike? Doing great. How was your, uh, you coming down from vacation, huh? Yeah, we're up uh, by Canada, pretty much. Five hours or something crazy. Five hours and came down, made some good time, and then there was some traffic through Boston, which was and like I've never seen anything like it. So yeah, yeah. But I'm here, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. So we'll do a little, uh, little kind of a re- uh, week in recap, as I like to do. But you know what I watched a bunch of uh, was the Little League World Series. I know you were a baseball player growing up. Yeah, that's one of the best times of year to watch the Little League uh, World Series. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Sport in its uh, purest form, and you have these really talented young players. But they, you know, some of those pitchers just throw gas, little BBs. Can't even catch up with it. No, you were a baseball player. I was up until uh, ninth grade, and my dad said that he was a little disappointed that I wasn't playing it there instead of picking up lacrosse. Oh, really? Yeah. So I played Legion for Brockton. So, so, so we'll get to we'll get to that. But so. You wait, went to there and, they, and you played lacrosse instead of baseball? Yeah, there were more hockey guys uh, that played lacrosse. So it was like that spring season uh, meeting, and they were just pulling me that way. They're like, you can pick it up. So yeah. I ended up picking it up. Well, it's not like hockey because anybody can run, right? Like, I make fun of them. It's easy. You, yeah. you don't have to skate. Well, I loved it when the ball was on the ground. You could hit anyone within five yards. So I'm like, I can I'm, pick an, <laughs> I'm hitting everybody. So, so uh, we're, we're jumping ahead, but when I got to there, I, I – uh, I played baseball my eighth grade year, and then I had to choose between golf and baseball. Yeah. And it was kind of an easy choice for me because I couldn't really throw the ball from one side of the diamond to the other. So it was kind of like, right. I got time to move on. The well, big diamonds, it, 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 it's a differentiator. Yeah. And um, they have the, the uh, 50 70 yeah. uh, fields now that are nice, like in between between the Little League and Babe Ruth or the, the Major League field. So. Um, I wish they had that growing up because it was a big jump when you got to the big field. It was, and Hank's on that fifty seventy, but the little league's on the little field, right? Forty six, and, and they're older than, they. So Hank's eleven, my guy's eleven, same as as your daughter, and the old, the, they're older and playing on the smaller field. Yeah, I think they can be twelve. It's like watching Randy Johnson pitch. Remember yeah. when Randy Johnson pitched? It looked like his arm was like he was like just yeah. placing it in the catcher's mitt. He's that, halfway to the. Uh, the play. Remember when he hit that bird? <laughs> he had to go to court for that. He did? Yeah. Really? Yeah, for some some reason, you know, so. Not surprising. Um, so so sadly I had to uh I had to attend a couple of funerals, which is that's the age we're getting to. Got a lot of a lot of parents uh dying. But my question is always they they all had good lives, lived good lives, but why is it a funeral at a why is it a wake at a funeral home? Why is it a wake at a funeral home? Do you ever think about that? You yeah. go to a wake at a funeral home. Right. Why wouldn't you go to a wake home? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, they're just killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> I don't think that's an appropriate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that you want to leave the killing pot right, right, out right, of right. the <laughs> funeral home conversation. But anyway, that that was my thought. Um, uh, and another guy from, from my past that you might know, actually, because he coached. So do you remember a guy by the name of Frank Federico? Yes. Okay. So. Frank Federico was my favorite coach, uh, hard-nosed guy. And you know I do a ton of coaching. You do a ton of coaching and sort of one of our passions now that we share. And this guy was like, uh, he was like my favorite coach ever. He was the guy, first guy in hockey that kind of gave me any confidence, right? And so his son, Chris Federico, do you know Chris? I don't know him well, but I 
know him. He's a couple years older than you. He's my age. So we've stayed in touch, came back in touch because of uh, because of youth hockey and stuff. His daughter's about the same age as my daughter. But uh, we were t- I was talking about the movie The Bronx Tale last week. And Chris was listening to the podcast, and I was like, oh, you know, Bronx Tale is my favorite movie. I think we've mentioned it like three out of the last four podcasts. He, Chris texted me. He's like, did you know that the Bronx Tale is my father's favorite movie? Was my father's favorite movie? Oh, nice. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So the I, the I want, test. Huh? The test. Yeah, the test. Yeah, the test. Yeah. Is he going to reach over and open the door? Right. I mean, there's so many good uh, so many good scenes in that movie. We always talk about the one where the, he owes the guy $20. It's like, for $20, he's out of your life. Right. What are you doing? Leave him alone. Get out of here. Um, uh, so th- this podcast came about because Mike and I played golf on Friday. Friday, yep. Had my son Hank out there caddying. He did all right. He did a great job. He, did, he, yeah. did, he, he did. hustled and got the uh, the flags out there all official. And, so, uh, yeah, he was pretty solid. He was solid. So the best part of the night for me was we, we played 18 holes, and we of course, you got to play some extra holes, so... I, I called my wife. I said, you got to come pick up Hank. We're playing extra holes. And uh, I'm like, hey, Hank, you're going to go. Uh, your mother's going to pick you up. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here with the boys. <laughs> Hops <laughs> on the back. <laughs> just r- r- rips off of the extra uh, extra holes. Crushing life, 11 years old. Up at the bar, hanging out. Yeah, he, uh, he had a blast. He had a blast. Um, and lastly, before we get into Mike, because we want to get there, but did you guys, did you go to Woodstock 99? Did you go to Woodstock 99? No. How old, when did you graduate, Root Beer, when did you graduate high school? I 12. Okay, so you didn't go? No. Did you go to Root Beer, I mean, did you go to Root Beer? <laughs> did you go to um, Woodstock 99? No, that was when they tried to recreate, you know, the original Woodstock. Yeah. Right? Didn't they, like, burn everything? They burnt it down. So I right. watched an incredible documentary on it last night called, uh, oh, I forget the name of it. I watched it, there was three episodes. I watched them until 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, derailed or off the tracks or something like that, and it was the story of of that whole weekend and the craziness that was going on. Three hundred thousand people, and they had like Limp Bizkit. Like the the lineup was like all these like borderline heavy metal bands from that generation. They weren't heavy; they were like heavy metal rap, mm. right? Like Limp Bizkit, Corn, um, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Green Day. Oh, yeah, Green Day, like all these, and they were everybody big mosh pits. And then at the end of this thing, these the the guy who the first I forget the guy's name. I think his name was Lang. Uh, Michael Lang was the guy who did the original Woodstock in 1969, and he was the one. He was the guy behind it in '99, and they decided at the end. So uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers was playing last, and they gave out candles as like a he was like a candlelight vigil because the cause was um gun violence right. columbine had just happened so it was like they were trying to bring awareness to gun violence remember every time there was a shooting there people you know they always go with the they do the candlelight vigils they gave out 200,000 candles yeah, bad idea jeans yeah. yeah bad idea jeans <laughs> big time 200 and everybody's oh and then they had so they did that and I'll get back to that then they decided that every night they were going to have a rave so people would go to the concert all day, and then they would rave all night long, doing all whatever they were doing. I mean, I've never been to anything such like that in my whole entire life. Of course not. Me. <laughs> never. Um, but I'm like, shut it down. Right? Right. And they literally lit, they lit the place on fire. And people died. And I don't think anybody died, but it was, it was a bad scene. It was a bad scene. So you weren't there. No, it was a, like an old... Um Air Force Base. It was right? an old Air Force yeah. Base. Yeah. So that was the other issue. It was like 100 degrees. 
and it was all tarmac. So people would, and they had and they had no waters. They took all the water. Like if you were trying to bring a backpack of water in, they took it away from you so they could sell you water exactly. at four dollars a bottle. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So well, I forget. I'll get to the name of the show. It'll be in the corrections for next. Uh, I think it is derailed. Is it derailed? It might be uh, something like. That. Have yeah. you seen it? I haven't, but uh, Tom McKinnon told me about it. It's it's worth watching. Yeah, when we're doing the. Uh, the Rank Shrank Street Hockey Tournament. He's like, you should just burn this place down like Woodstock 99. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. They gave him candles. Can you imagine? So, but they were saying, you know, they, they're showing, the, no one had clothes on. They're all, they're all um, crowd surfing. Poor women are getting molested all the way through. It was craziness. It's crazy. And then one of the girls that was there that was like the main interviewer was 14 when she was there. So they showed a picture of her. She's 14. She looks like, Rose, are you, you, you've got a daughter right about 14, right? 14, yeah. Yeah. Braces. Yeah. I'm like, the parents let them go to upstate Woodstock? New York to go to Woodstock, 300,000 people? Crazy. So that's the, that's the podcast of the, uh, that's the podcast recommendation for television. I watched all three episodes last night. Uh, and lastly, my, my one correction, pretty clean show last week. One correction, Dennis Pateras. Do you know Dennis? Pateras. Quincy kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's in the uh he's in, I, I couldn't remember what Hall of Fame he's in. He's in the North Quincy Red Raider Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That sounds made up. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a legit it's uh it's at Quincy Youth Arena. Oh, yeah. You know where it I is? Know exactly where it is. <laughs> You're actually to, to to sort of a good segue. You were a lot of times when you see your profile online, it says you were born in Quincy. I was born in Quincy Hospital, so my first application or questionnaire for um you know pro was you know birthplace and you know i was born in quincy so yeah. i wrote quincy down <laughs> all my you know avon buddies are like are you serious you know, so you you but you, your family was living in avon yeah but you were born in quincy so you wrote quincy yeah see i write weymouth i was born at my family lived in Hanover, but i was born in weymouth i was born at the social hospital yeah so dougie nolan uh, our quincy buddy there was fired up that you know I was born in Quincy. He's like you can play for our over thirty men's league team. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you, I already laid claim to that one. Uh, so born in born in at Quincy Hospital, but grew up in Avon. Right. With who? Who was that? Who was in the house in Avon? So we got my mom and dad, Robert and Mabel, and then my oldest sister, Charlene, my brother Rob, and my sister Kim, uh, whose birthday is today. Really happy birthday, Kim! Yeah. Special. Everybody needs a Nudge Podcast birthday shout out no to shout Kim. Out. You ha- she has to watch, has to listen. Yeah, to I will. You have yeah. to tell her. Let her know. Um, so four, four, so this is the, I, and I, I digress now, but this is what I like about the podcast because I've known my, Mike, how long have I, I'm 46. I've known you since I was 16. Yes. Yeah, right. We're not, we're not get this deep into stuff. This is going to be incredible. <laughs> I'm so excited right now. Can you like, you can feel it. Um, so how many, four, four, three siblings, uh, three siblings four like, total. Yeah. I'm the youngest. You are? Yeah. Is your brother the oldest? It's, it goes boy, girl, boy, mozzarella sticks. <laughs> That's incredible. So three boys and a girl. No, two boys, two girls. And the so st- yeah. boy, Charlene, girl, Rob, girl, Kim, boy. Yeah. So that's what I have. And I'm the youngest. Yeah. My older brother, Robbie. Two sisters in between, no, no, and then no. me. It goes girl, uh, boy, what? girl, boy. Oh, my God. This is going to be all over <laughs> corrections to next week. <laughs> Love it, though. Okay, so it's not the same. I thought we were going to really connect there on yeah. a deep level. Right. We're not, though. Oh. No. Close. <laughs> Close. Close yeah. 
So you're the youngest. Yeah. Uh, and obviously athletics was a huge part of your life and sort of, I'm sure if we get, once we get into all the nudges, there's a million nudges on, on the athletic side, but hockey, baseball, football. Did you play football? I played football my senior year at, at there. That's it. So that's a weird path. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you didn't play football? Uh, my mom wouldn't let me. But then, okay, so let's just break that down a little bit, okay? Because at that point, you're committed to Boston College to play hockey. I wasn't committed to anywhere yet. You weren't? No. So you were like, screw it. I'm going to roll the dice I didn't want. I didn't want to do gym. <laughs> yeah, because gym back then was gym. Yeah. It wasn't like weightlifting like it is now. No, that would have been way better. Yeah. They do strength and, strength and fitness now or something they call it, right? That's good, though. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, playing tug of war. Or, or badminton or something. <laughs> yeah. Sick game of badminton uh, against some poor girl that can't even get out of her own way. Me. Yeah, against Root Bear <laughs> coming over the top, like sp- spiking it, dancing on her grave. <laughs> right? I could totally see it. Uh, yeah, see, so like, I'm going to play football. That's okay. All right. So, but baseball and uh, baseball lacrosse and, and hockey. In high school, but no lacrosse growing up. There was no, no lacrosse in Avon, right? No. Because there was no lacrosse in Hanover. No. Yeah. I picked it up in ninth grade. Um, was your father a hockey player? No. He, he stopped playing in the uh, father-son game when we could start lifting the puck. That was it for him. Yeah. He was done. His skates are amazing. Was he out there in jeans during the game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, he, he, we went skiing once as a, you know, like a group family, you know, bus thing, and he wore blue jeans. <laughs> And he's going down the bunny hill fall. He's like, no, it's fine if you just wipe it off. Fast. Yeah, yeah. His, his pants were frozen. Yeah, frozen solid. <laughs> Incredible. Does he call him dungaree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, used to, I had a cousin uh, who I used to go skiing with, and he used to wear jeans. He never zipped his jacket, and he would always smoke cigarettes in the line. I'd be, like, bundled up head to toe. Couldn't see an inch of skin. And he's pretty much rolling around in the snow smoking cigarettes. Like, you're crazy. Cold doesn't affect some people. No. Nope. Yeah, I get cold fast. I wear thermal underwear all the time. Like those kids at the bus stop who wear shorts yeah. in the middle of winter? Well, you you weren't like that. No, no, no. Yeah. So, but then, so your brother played, your brother was a hockey player. Yeah. Um, so my sisters played some sports, but um, they were mostly dance. So my brother and I would have to go and, you know, do the curtain or the spotlight at the recitals. Of course you did. had a job. painful. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was good. Um, but my brother... You know, he's five years older. We shared a room growing up. And, you know, he's my biggest idol. You know, just, you know, looking up to an older brother. But yep. he was, he's a very good hockey player at, at every age. But he worked at it and he showed me the, the path that you needed to go down to be successful. So he was the he was the nudge that got you into the game first. What was it? So how did he get into it then? We should uh, have him on the podcast. I, I know. Think. Might be a better guest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a guy, a kid named... Jackie Maycumber that taught me how to skate, but he was around my brother's age. But around Avon, there was a lot of uh, people, you know, getting on the ice and playing hockey. And um, we had some family friends from Canada, and uh, my mom's Canadian. Oh, she is. Yeah, uh, she's from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Yeah, I think you just you told me that the other day. She's from Nova Scotia. Yeah, so she says, you know, the reason why we can play hockey is because we're half Canadian. Yeah, it's in the blood. <laughs> But she can't taking all the credit. I yeah, love it. She can't swim or ride a bike, so she's like the most unathletic person out there. But she still does it. What a combination! I can't swim or ride a bike. Yeah. So if you want to ride the bike down to the beach, I'm out. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not doing either of those things. Zero chance. <laughs> so, uh, and he he was a, he became a pretty accomplished uh, hockey player. 
Yeah, he went to Archbishop Williams at Braintree, um, earned a Division One scholarship on a, on his own, pretty much, just through his abilities. No one was advocating for him, per se, or, you know, it was just a different landscape. But some, some of the um, local colleges wanted him to go to a year of PG, and my dad, uh, you know, just didn't really understand, you know, that type of... The landscape. Yeah, you know, that path. Yeah. Um, he had a full scholarship to Illinois, Chicago, uh, UIC, and uh, they would play, you know, Michigan, Michigan State. They're in the CCHA, the yep. old CCHA. And um, so he went out there as a young, he was uh, 17. Yeah. As a freshman in college. And that's, you know, in the, in the from around here, if you're around here and you're a hockey player, going out there is a little bit of an anomaly, right? Not a lot of kids were going out there back then. I don't know if maybe more on now because it's such a broader, there's such a broader net cast on these kids that are playing everywhere. But you know, we have a friend that went to two friends that went to University of Miami, Ohio, and that was kind of a, a little bit weird, right? Yeah, different. No, I mean, he he had opportunities to stick around, do that PG, like I said, but you know, it's tough to pass up a full scholarship when you don't know when it's unknown. Yeah, what you're gonna get after, and um, yeah, going out west or Midwest was a little bit of a leap of faith, and you know, it was it was tough, you know, yeah. to to see him go because we were so close for. You know, since I was born, pretty much. Yeah. So, so this is like I remember you told you said something to me a while back that stuck, and <clears throat> sort of as I as I coach kids, like when when you got to Thayer, and we'll get into sort of why you chose Thayer, because I think that's a pretty funny story with your dad walking walking through some of the campuses that you got to go see. I mean, and I don't I don't I'm not gonna I don't like to blow your horn, and I'll just remind you that I'm better than you at golf. <laughs> as my way of keeping you grounded because um, I was his captain in high school. So, But you were pretty – you could have had your choice of schools, high schools going into the ninth grade, right, essentially. You could have gone to CM. You could have gone to Seve's. You could have gone to Thayer. You could have gone – you really could have gone pretty much anywhere. You were a pretty highly sought-after 14-year-old hockey player. Yeah, well, again, I wanted to follow my brother's footsteps and go to Archie's. That was yeah. all I wanted to do. Uh, he was a senior when I was in seventh grade, so I went and spent the day with him. They, you know, he's like, yeah, he's in eighth grade. You know, and we just hung around. Yeah, and, you know, went to his classes and stuff. And my sister Kim was going there as well, and uh, a bunch of my buddies. But um, Coach Foley was uh, the one through USA Hockey the, or the Mass Hockey, the satellite program that was like, hey, why don't you take a look at there? Yep. Then you had to take another test, and I tested pretty well, and so it opened up, um, you know, the door to a, a lot, of, a lot of other schools, other prep schools in the yeah. area, and um, yeah, it was just you know, kind of again, my parents just allowed me to make the decisions and kind of well, they they nudged you in the right way. So, so um, for those that don't know, the what he's talking about with the mass satellite hockey stuff is sort of they. They filtered the top players up to the the Massachusetts hockey camps, and and at the time Jack Foley was kind of at the forefront of all that stuff, and he was kind of a pioneer a little bit in his sort of his practice planning and stuff. All the stuff that you see now uh, with the uh, uh, ADM and station based practices and stuff, he was doing that back when nobody else was doing it, which was th that's where we ended up playing high school hockey. Um, but the the I'm gonna let Mike tell the story, but the one thing that stuck with me was. I remember you saying to me that you were doing sit-ups, push-ups, and and maybe pull-ups or something in in junior high to get ready for your high school high school career. I mean, is that correct? Yeah. So I would, 
you know, my brother and I would put on the Use Your Illusion CD. <laughs> Guns uh, and Roses. Yeah. And uh, two disc set. We'd do push ups, you know, it'd be wide, you know, uh, regular and na- uh, diamond to failure. But like we would do multiple sets, you know, and he was much stronger than I was. And I would continue to try to, you know, follow in his footsteps, you know, again. and catch him. If he did 15, you want to do 15. Yeah. If he did 20, you want to do 20. But so it's just when you when and uh, again, friendly reminder, I'm better than you at golf. When you came to Thayer, you were immediately, in my opinion, and I'm going to let you get to the story of how you ended up at Thayer eventually. You were sort of one of the top players the second you walked in the door. And that wasn't just because of uh, because you were more talented than others. You just you worked. You were working. Looking back like. I didn't know back then fitness wasn't what it is now, right? Kids weren't getting into lifting weights. I mean, now kids are fifth, five, uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. They're they're in the gym, right? It's it's sort of normal at this point, uh, but it wasn't like that back then, and it was a much different time. But tell the story about how you chose. I think, and I don't want to butcher it, but I think it was between Sebi's and Thayer or something, right? Yeah. So uh, we were touring. Uh, St. Sebastian, we went to Milton, St. Sebastian, Milton Academy, Milton Academy. Yep. And, um, and there, and there was the last visit. And, um, I felt very comfortable at St. Sebastian's all boys school. Uh, the headmaster, uh, Bill Burke was a super guy who was new on the job and just made you feel really comfortable. I knew some buddies there and, and then, you know, I was telling my dad that I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable here. This is, you know, kind of something that you know, I might have to look at. And then we toured there and uh, we were getting toured by a girl named Alex Doyle. Who, Duxbury girl. Yeah. Boston uh, College. And, you know, she was walking up the main stairs, uh, main building stairs. And, you know, my dad's not a Yahoo by any means, but he just gave me a little nudge. He's like, you're not going to get that at St. Sebastian. <laughs> and fast forward, <laughs> that was the best advice. A little nudge. Ever. How... Uh, apropos of the podcast, his dad gave him a little, a little nudge. nudge. It was yeah. like, <laughs> that's exactly. incredible. That's so good. So, you know, fast forward, um, you know, I got a great education, great coaching, and, you know, met so many great friends, but I also met my wife there. And so that advice, you know, still rings true today. It's amazing, that right? Nudge. That little nudge yeah. changes the whole, your whole path. Right. I mean, it really does. Uh, I, w- I would like to, like, rewind a little bit to... <laughs> I'm the again with these guests. They don't understand who the host is. Okay, go ahead, rewind. Only because you know you're talking about me going into Thayer, but a huge influence on my development uh, before I got to Thayer was a guy named Vinny Magno. He was a, a coach at Roxbury Latin, so I had him uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And, and 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 but you didn't you weren't at Roxbury Latin. No, this was uh, with the Social Kings, and then I went to the Boston Junior Terriers. Okay, and. And did he, he, he was at both? Or he, yeah, we went. You went with him. You followed him. Correct. Got it. So Ken Hodge Sr. was the the, co- the head coach, but Vin Magno was the D coach. And that was the first time I ever was able to be like, oh, there's something else out there, meaning to the game where, you know, there's some structure and you can use your players and, you know, there was more of a system. Yeah. Forechecking system, uh, regrouping, you know, a game plan on retrieving pucks and okay. – all right, so 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 I've had I've had this conversation a lot uh, lately with a with Mark Gammons, a good friend of yours, good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast, friend of, friend of the show. We'll call him a friend of the show, right? <laughs> friend of the show. Uh, by the way, uh, this particular episode of Everybody Needs a Nudge is brought to you by the Rink Shrinks. 
Show him your hat, Mike. Rink shrinks. For all your rink shrinking need- No, I'm just kidding. It's a great podcast. Not a competitor. Different topics, but Mike's one of the hosts, and they're sponsoring this. They don't know it yet, yeah. but they're sponsoring this. <laughs> I'll bring the checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what we were talking about and, and is when do you start uh, when do you start introducing I don't want this to turn into a coaching show but real quickly like when do you start introducing systems and stuff like that at, at the youth hockey level and my my position is a little bit at U12 but then U14 so so on the girls side peewee going into bantam is like everything else should be pretty skill based even your practices that's my take yeah I think that's an appropriate time um yeah, we didn't do a ton, say, in sixth grade. I know the, the age difference, or it kind of moved. Yeah, that's Hank. Hank's sixth grade right now. I don't do a ton with him. No, so it would be the next year. Yeah. Um, but just having an idea, uh, you don't have to, like, play a system, but yeah. you have to still understand some of the concepts that surround the systems. Um, and being on the same page, it, does, it you know, like I said, retrievals, so partner work, that's not a system. It's a game plan when there's a, a retrieval necessary. So, you know. All right, all right, all right. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're about to go. We're, I, about, <laughs> we're, about, to, we're about to go crazy. Here, I, so. I know, but, but what I'm saying. So don't, <laughs> Can't stop. He won't stop. Talk about retrievals. We'll be. We'll be <laughs> uh, Did you get that puck yet? Jesus, retrieve the goddamn thing. We're crying out loud. Oh, my God. I'm losing all my... I can actually see my sister, Doris turning off the podcast. I'm sorry, Doris. We're going to get Darice. back to his life. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to ask you a question. Outside of hockey, give me, give me an outside of your parents. Give me somebody that influenced you early on before you got. Give me someone that gave you a nudge, and what's the story behind, behind a nudge there? So can I, can I talk about Vin Magno? Yeah. All right. But he's a hockey guy, but, but that's fine. Well, I mean, he, we had these long car rides, and his son sat in the backseat. Weird. We would just talk. But that's weird. No, I mean, because I was a sponge. And he was like such a resource to me for hockey and just like being, you know, prepared and yeah. that off ice stuff that we talked about earlier. Like he gave me a bunch of stuff that, you know, just a kind of a game plan to work out too. Off the ice. Correct. Yeah. So he would be the, one of the biggest influences in my, you know, hockey career and, you know, moving forward because he can apply it to anything. Yeah. And do you stay in touch with him? Uh, yeah. So I wrote him a letter uh, after my. Um, did you need help writing that one? <laughs> I did. And then I reached out and we had uh we had a, a lunch and next thing you know it was like six hours later. Really? Yeah. Um but he's a sweetheart of a guy and you know, I mentioned him on our podcast and he reached out and was very appreciative appreciative of, you know, me mentioning it, but like it's so true. Yeah, it's so so it's just uh there's nothing more as a coach and now you you have a role as a coach and you know I do a ton of coaching. There's nothing better than having someone reach out and be like, hey, you know, thank you. You influenced me in this way. And so that's one of the sort of things that we're trying to talk about a little bit on this podcast is, okay, you had all these nudges in your life. How, how are you nudging people? And is it negatively or is it positively? Like what, what are you doing out there in the world? Where are your nudges going? Um, so it's always good to hear. I'm sure that guy was like, you know, what, Vin? Vin I'm sure Vin was like, that. this is awesome, right? And, and, you know, obviously you're pretty accomplished, had a pretty accomplished a career, right? So it's even... It's even probably uh, more heady for him to 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 get that. Uh, so now you get to there um, as a freshman, um, and uh, I'm a junior at the time. We had some good players, um, some legit 
D1 hockey players, whether it was Dean Campanelli or, you know, uh, Thornton, a couple, bunch of guys that went on and either played at the next level. Um, uh, so tell me, so, so high school, I mean, what'd you do? How was it? Did you have fun? It's a good time? Yeah, it was amazing getting on campus immediately and just kind of figuring stuff out. All of a sudden it was cool to be smart, so you put your efforts into studying and smaller classrooms and, you know. Like, so that's a great... Uh, it's a big differentiator that you see from one town to another town or another school to another school. It's cool to be smart, mm-hmm. right? It's And I say to my kids all the time, it's not cool to be a fool. Right? Don't act like a fool. Uh, and Mr. think, Mr. Is, think Yeah. It ain't, I pity the fool. <laughs> I pity the fool. Don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How is that? Was that good? I pity the fool. I feel like this. I feel like if do you have like, can you sound effect that and make it deeper? I could. Yeah. Yeah. We'll test your producer uh, skills. Uh, so you, but you meet your wife. She's in the same grade. Well, so that story is great because you know it was a, we did that orientation down at Camp Bondale. Yeah. So you go down there, there's team building exercises, and you spend a couple nights, um, you know, with your grade. And you know, as a freshman, you go in. I'm meeting everyone new, new a few few people like Jed Sheehan and Mike Fallon. Yeah, from hockey guys you knew from being around the ranks. Right, and then. Courtney ha- happened to be in my team building group, and Courtney's his wife. At the end of uh, the three days, you had to write a letter to yourself um, that got mailed back to you after graduation, and it was all about Courtney. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Rupia might cry. She's a, such a romantic. She just moved in with her boyfriend. I did. Yeah. <laughs> She's, write me a letter, John. Uh, yeah, John. <laughs> Write a letter, John, if you really want to, you know, lock it up. How you doing with the nail biting, by the way? Better. Yeah? Yeah. Look, she was, <laughs> she's got <laughs> she's both. On, on <laughs> so I didn't know that story. So that's pretty cool. So you wrote a letter to yourself uh, and it ended up being a, about his wife. That is the sweetest story. And we didn't end up dating till senior year, but. Um, really? Yeah. So she ended up. Um, reading it and i wanted to read it at our wedding but my mom like cleaned out my whole room and threw everything away <laughs> but at least courtney was able to read That's it It incredible. wasn't a made-up you know story yeah because yeah, that does sound like a i wrote a letter about you but my mom threw it away yeah you're so beautiful though <laughs> right that's an incredible move that's such a move right uh, i wrote a letter yeah my mom threw it away <laughs> So that's good that she got to read it at yeah, least. Yeah, she did. And, you know, if I paraphrased or said something like during thanking people, it wouldn't have held the weight. But if I had the actual letter, it would yeah. have been cool. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been. So, that, that's a keepsake. Yeah, so M- M- Mabel, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Mabes. <laughs> <laughs> it just, ch- like, just cleaned everything out. Yeah. You know? That's the that's the uh, Canadian in her. Just get it out of yeah. here. Move on. Right. Move on. So, so you play... Uh, you're at, you're at there, and then eventually you got to start making some decisions about college. Uh, so what was the nudges that sort of guided you in that decision-making process? Because, because I'm sure uh, you were highly sought after. Um, I, I'm gonna, so so I'm, I referenced the story. You, you, you gave me a nudge, actually. You gave me a lot of nudges. But he was one of the guys. Remember the story I told about when I decided to focus on hockey versus golf? He was one of the guys. You so I I don't. You probably didn't listen to the podcast. Obviously, I could tell because you'd be chiming in on the story. But <laughs> talking over him. Yeah. So 
so th- I, it was either my junior year or I think it might have must, must have been my senior year because um, we had a bunch of good players coming up after me. Like it was my class was had a little bit of a dearth of of um, I mean I was a Division one athlete, but on the hockey side uh, we had a little dearth on in our my particular class. We but below above we had a bunch and below we had Scotty Perry, you Wilkie, um, Tommy Welby went on and played. The Tommy kid went on and played right. Um, I remember coming in, I, as clear as day, I remember coming in the locker room and he's the practice and looking around the room and be like, he's going to play D1. He's going to play D1. He's six foot two. He's going to play D1. Uh, you know, he's going to play D1. I was like, I think I'm going to go play golf. <laughs> <laughs> and you were one of the guys that I was like, okay, that's what it looks like to sort of get to the next level. But what I didn't realize was, and, and I said this before, all the work that you guys were putting in whether it was uh, working with other coaches or working in the off season, I mean, it was like hockey, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. At that point, it, well, um, well, except for the baseball, see, or lacrosse season, right? You took that off and then jumped back into it. The, there was one story after, so freshman year, you make varsity, like it was a big deal back then. To yeah, there was a handful of you, you Jed. It was me and Jed that first year, just the two of you, and then Casey transferred in. Uh, oh, that's right, Casey. But um, he was on that list of uh, people that pushed me to go the, play golf. Because yeah, he's like six three, yeah. monsters, hands like fit over my whole head, right? <laughs> I, so so uh, I played baseball in the summer, and I was working for my father, and um, so I my attendance wasn't very good for that satellite program. Yeah, and there was a cool like week long, um, you know, camp down. At Mass Maritime, so it was like sleepovers and, you know. It was, Not a hockey camp. It was. Oh, it was a hockey camp. Yeah, it was kind of through that program. Okay. But because my attendance, my dad was like, I, I'm not driving to Burlington after, you know, 10 hours of work. Yeah. Like, we're, we're you're good. What was the work? Uh, small residential construction business. So banging nails. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were working. I was working. Yeah, you weren't on, scooping ice cream. No. Yeah. And then on the weekends playing baseball, it was certain times where I couldn't make it. So I, I uh, got kicked out of the program. <laughs> And so that guy that we talked about, Jack Foley, who was a big influence, wasn't really happy. No, so, I can't imagine. So I get to campus sophomore year, and he was, he's a lunch proctor, and he, he's like, you know, with his finger, come over here. And he was a big guy. Yeah, intimidating. I mean, he was a big guy with like a big square head, right? I mean, it was like, he, he was mad at you. He was mad. So he was, he was just like, I don't know what you, you, you think, who you think you are. You have a big head. You better watch out. I'll just come down your street. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> so, you know, in, in the summer, I I'll just out. come down your street, whatever that means. Yeah. I just going to come down <laughs> your street. Yeah. Right. And you knew you were like, I'm like I if I it. see this guy on my street, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> but I was working out, you know, my brother was working out he was at in college. So we would do workouts in the back garage, you know, I had a little program. And, um, so come tryout time. I'm, you know, I, had good, you know, stamina. My leg strength was good, and I buried a couple guys early. And he pulls me aside. He's like, "So you did do something this summer?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah I did. I did." I you like, see the little guy over there? He didn't. He was playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> that one? Yeah, he's played golf the whole time. Yeah. So working out and doing stuff on your own, but then there was a little bit more structure to it. Um, you know, to your point, you know, it wasn't twenty four seven, but it was. Uh, it was the priority. Yeah, it was the priority. And and uh, at what point? 
the colleges start come sniffing around? Is it is it sophomore year? Is it junior year? Is it senior year? Um, I I was getting some letters from different schools, and um, I think they can reach. They could reach out. They moved it back to what it was. What it used to. It's now it's like after your sophomore year, I think. Yeah, beginning of junior year, something like that. Yeah. But anyway, that you know, the letters were nice. You know, it was like it. You know, some. You know, um, you know, you getting paid attention to on some level, and BU was one of the first. You know schools that really showed a lot of interest yeah and they were very good at the time or you know they were trending and they had a lot of good players and they had that city mentality and um so i was just pretty focused on you know i would watch a bunch of different games but i was focused on wanting to go to bu bu was the spot yeah really and you end up at bc so she probably doesn't they're rivals yeah Yeah. yeah see yeah, big time. Boston University, Boston College, Hockey East, they're both on Com Ave, Battle of Com Ave. Like, it's a whole... It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Like, yeah. BU guys hate BC guy. I mean, they don't really hate them. Oh, they do. I mean, I... They do when you're playing, but, like, you kind of yeah. hate them after, too. All right, after, like, four years, you know, you can come back together to yeah. be friends. Yeah. Like, real friends. Later on in life. Yeah. <laughs> at, like, 30. Right? After the slash marks have worn off and the, yeah. you know, the... You know, scars are all gone. Or maybe you need to do business with them, right? <laughs> <laughs> I need something from you, so we're buddies, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so well, how do you end up at BC then? What's the nudge that lands you at BC? Um, the nudge was... Because I was there. That's right. <laughs> <It was. laughs> a couple of different things. Um, so Tom Pody was my same year, who's an exceptional hockey player, and they offered him four for four for scholarship money. Yeah. And uh, Mike Greer, who had an unbelievable um, NHL career and the GM of the San Jose Sharks now, he was going to sign, but yet he could, uh, Coach Parker couldn't legally offer me four for four. He's like four and three quarters. So my dad and I go in to see Coach Parker, and he's like, you know, had to say that, he, you know, three and three quarters, and it would be like $10,000 probably yeah. for the four years. And I stood up and I shook Coach Parker's hand. I was like, I wasn't going to take any of my trips, but um, I'm going to take my trips now. Uh, thank you. And I turned and walked out. Wow. And my dad gets in the truck and he's like, I can pay $10,000 if you want to go here. I go, you didn't pay for Rob. You're not paying for me. Wow. You pretty much told Coach Parker to F off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, F off, sir. Nice to see. I mean, he's a legend. He coached for like 109 years, right? I mean, it, so, but you, so, but at the time, and at the time, BC was sort of just coming out of, uh, it was just, Reasoner was like the start of that, right? He wasn't there yet. He uh, wasn't there yet? Yeah, that, so he was He's there. He's my year. He was there my senior year. He was a freshman when I was a. So Marty Reasoner? He's a year behind you. He's a year behind me? Yeah. Okay. So this was junior year, and then I took a couple trips. Um, actually I didn't take any trips until senior year, but, um, I always would go into BC, like our, our buddy, Dave Wainwright, who yeah. played, uh, at Thayer with us and David Heimovitz was a year. I missed him by a year at Thayer, but you played with yeah, him. I played with him. A couple of D one guys that I played with. No big deal. <laughs> no, I but I would go in with, uh, Casey and, uh, Kevin Caulfield and we would go visit them and have a good time at BC. And yeah. You, I, I went on the, I, I would get, uh, looped into that because, uh, remember a kid named Sean Murphy from oh, Hanover, oh yeah. Murph from Hanover. So I was from Hanover, Murph was from Hanover and I would get looped in, you know, with Dave Wainwright and, and Heimovitz when I was in high school and would go into Boston college and, 
you know, we'll go to church, mm-hmm. right? Check out the library. Do some homework. Yeah, do, get our homework done all together. Um, we'd go down to the food pantry, right? All those things that you do, right? When you go visit colleges on a Friday night <laughs> yeah, exactly. at 18, 17 years old, <laughs> right? Uh, so I was on those trips. So th- those were always fun. Th- those guys were good guys. Um, so that's what that was the nudge that sort of made you fall in love with, with BC? Yeah. I mean, the guys that I actually didn't play with uh, at BC who treated, you know, Casey and I with a ton of respect and, you know, just welcoming us yeah. to their, you know, dorm room and showing us a good time and just being good people, really. Yeah. And so I went out, when I went out to, I went to Michigan for a, uh, a visit and they were, they had just won the national championship and I didn't like the guys. You didn't like the guys? Midwesterners. Well, I just didn't like, you know, the dynamic, you know, they're together as a team. They just, it was just different, you know, and I was like, I made my decision to go to BC when I was at Michigan. Really? I'm holding the the uh, flag, the Michigan flag on the big house field. There's like 105,000. At a football game. Yeah, it's a great recruiting tool, but I was like, this isn't like BC. I'm like, I guess I want to go to BC. Yeah. So, and my parents let me do you know, make the decision on my own. They didn't really interfere. And so the nudge to get you to go to BC was really the visit to Michigan, the visit to Michigan and the quality of people that uh, were at BC. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful school. And we've talked about it a bunch because my uncle was just on the show and he went to BC and my cousin was on the show and he went to BC. Now you're, you're here and he, he there's a little bit of a, got like a oh, theme going on here. A cult, a little cult, little, well, that, What's the, the joke that people always tell? You know how you can tell someone's from Boston College? They'll tell you, yeah, right? In the first 30 seconds. Yeah. It's the first thing out of their mouth. They're just jealous. Couldn't get in. <laughs> and then whatever, wherever they went, that guy could be like, yeah, I went to Harvard. Like, safety school. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, BC runs Boston. Yeah, that's right. It does. So, so you go to BC. You have a great career. And now you get out into the you, – you, you start – looking at the next stage of your life, which is professional hockey, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I say this to the kids, and this is the stuff that, you know, very important. You know, it sounds cliche on some level, but I lived it. It was, you know, just staying in the present. Yeah. The precious present. Yeah. Because the if you- The present s- is your presence. Yeah, and if so you- Something like that, right? It's like a play on words. The present is your present. Like it's a present, yeah. you know. Like if you went, if it's your birthday present, whatever. I screwed it up. <laughs> move on. <laughs> it's a present to stay present. I don't know. I screwed it up. Yeah, Just yeah. move on. Move on. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Um, so cut that out. Yeah. So we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we weren't very good my freshman year. Actually, we were. We had some good players, but we were under five hundred. And then we went to the national championship uh, the following year. At, it was in the garden. At the garden. Yeah. Jamie O'Leary hit the crossbar. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Unbelievable. But, you know, it, I was there for that game. That was my senior year. That was 1998. Right. Yeah. Uh, at the Garden against Michigan. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, tur- we were able to turn a program around. We had a lot of success, you know, as a, as a program moving forward after that year. Yeah. So you were a big part of that turnaround. Yeah, like, I, I mean, Brian Gianta, Farkas, Clementson. There's, there's <laughs> a lot of dudes. <laughs> a lot of really good hockey players. Yeah. So, uh, so, so then you go on and you have you, you you play professional hockey, um, and and what do you play? Ten years? Fourteen. Fourteen years. Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, I remember 
two things that you've said to me that that have sort of stuck. Uh, one was, it you teach. Uh, You've actually coached my son Hank a little bit, and I think I was a little premature putting him with you, and that's not a, a dig on you. It's just that some of the stuff you, you talk about is very high level um, and the minutiae of the game, and it was a lot of stuff that you were teaching me uh, through our conversations, and a lot of stuff that you said, I didn't learn this until I got to my first year at the AHL or my first year in the NHL or, or listening to this coach, which I thought was uh, amazing, and, and I, I talk about it a lot because... Um, just because people played at a high level doesn't mean they learned all the stuff and that makes them immediately a good coach. Like, so just because you played in college doesn't make you a good coach. Like it was, I just thought it was eye opening for me to hear someone say, I didn't learn this until, and it was like simple stuff that if you just thought about it a little bit, um, so I thought that was interesting. The other thought thing that I thought was very interesting was we, Mike and I used to work out together, like, but it was like rudimentary stuff, yeah. right? Like we were like doing push-ups in his driveway or doing literally doing chin-ups on the swing set in the back. Exactly. Yeah, doing wall sits against, like, really rudimentary. And then we loved it. We, we had a football. We used to get our cardio throwing football. But we used to run, um, what's the monument? Miles Standish. Right, yep. We used to run the Miles Standish. And we were there one day, and you were on, like, your fourth or fifth consecutive one-year deal. And you turn to me and he goes, do you know how many sets of plates I have? <laughs> <laughs> Because you had like a whole attic full of plates, right? Yeah, like two or three of everything because I moved <laughs> twice a year for 14 years. Yeah, which is amazing. But that's it. So um, there was a bunch of different stages in your career, right? And sort of the, I, I like, uh, obviously you became a very established NHL player and played for a bunch of years with the Devils, played a year with the Bruins. But I, I always thought that the coolest part of your career was sort of towards the end where, yeah, you spent some time in the NHL, but you also stuck around to sort of give back to the game when you were in San Antonio and, and be a mentor to some of the younger players. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I mean, the looking back, it's it's kind of cool to, you know, kind of look at your career and see how it, how it went, how it could have been different or whatnot. But, you know, I was up and down with the, the Rangers, and they were, it was just a different time then. Um, you know, they didn't That's really, who you signed with first, right? Yeah, they drafted me in the seventh round, you know, just kind of, it was like a favor, I think, you know. <laughs> Take the motto, kid. Oh, actually, that's, that story is kind of funny. We, Courtney and I drove to Pittsburgh because two of my roommates were getting drafted. And I was in there dressed like this. You know, everyone else has suits on and stuff. We were just going out for like a party, you know. Right. And um, You didn't think you were going to get drafted? No. Really? Yeah. This is just coming off your senior year? No, after my freshman year. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. okay. So I was just like, all right, uh, you know, we'll go out and drive out and Anyway, um, I'm sitting there talking to a guy, and they're like, I think so. the Rangers just called your name. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I went down. They called my brother's name, Rob Martin. No, they, <laughs> they wouldn't let me down on the floor. You're kidding me. They did it all in one day. It was like wicked hot at the, uh, the Igloo in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like they're just like moving people along. Yeah. So I guess Arizona wanted to take me with like the next pick or something like that or somewhere around there. And um, they wanted it null and void, but like at, by that point, it was just like, go ahead. But the guy wouldn't let me down. He's like, Rob's got to be up there somewhere. I'm like, he's not draft eligible. He's five years older. Like, <laughs> it's me. Yeah, they're out there. They're, they're calling my name. Yeah. from the from the stage, and I need to get up there. Yeah. So did you make it up? Yeah, it was just not the stage, just down to the table. Yeah, a few hands. Yeah, I was kissed to, a few babies. Yeah, call my parents, collect, and you know, <laughs> you have a collect call from Rob Motto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
No, it was it was like uh, a collect call from mom, dad. I got drafted by the Rangers. <laughs> click. Yeah, yeah. Don't pick up. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those calls. I need a ride from the mall. Yeah. Click. <laughs> uh, a collect call from. I need a ride from the mall. Because <laughs> they get mad if you call. Call and collect was expensive. It was, yeah. Yeah, very expensive. Um, I don't know where we were. Where were we? What were we talking about? Oh, so the Rangers. Uh, I went on to play, you know, twenty something games over the. Uh, two years, got traded to Calgary, bounced around minors, mostly in the minors uh, until New Jersey. And that was kind of your break, right? You signed a multi-year deal with them, right? Yeah, uh, it was a two-year deal. Yeah, two two-year deals. Yeah. But, um, but the cool part about that was I could have reserved myself to being a minor leaguer. You don't have to put in that extra effort in the offseason, um, you know, because you can just play. You know, I, I could play at that level. Yeah. But I wanted to be the best, and I got an opportunity. So when preparation and opportunity came together, I was able to realize that uh, opportunity. Yeah. So with the de- uh, with the Devils, someone got hurt. I stepped in, and I played in the NHL for nine years. So so it's like the Wally Pip and Lou Gehrig. Right. That poor guy. Who was it? Um, Scott Stevens. It was, <laughs> no, it was uh, Colin White, my my boy. Oh, yeah. He he had a nice career though. Yeah. No, he got a puck in the eye, so he was out until like late November. When he came back, we became partners for the next three years. Really? Yeah. Now you had an eye injury, right? Was it a stick? It was a puck. A I puck. Got, I got lucky; it hit me this way. So you're handsome in this eye. <laughs> Not so much in the other eye. That's what he's saying. Though his good eye. Yeah. Glass yeah. half full. Right. Well, yeah, glass eye half full. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> One eye Willie over there. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, but 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 uh, other than that, you well, you you got hips now, right? One hip, two hips. I got one uh, kind of redone the labrum when I was playing with the Islanders, and then um, when they took the picture, the doctor was like, "How's your left one feel?" I go, "It's not symptomatic," but he goes, "It's worse than your right. Yeah, you know, it's going to have to be addressed." So I got a hip replacement last year. So for quality of life purposes, yeah, you know, golf yeah. mostly. When he says quality of life, he means golf. Yeah. Let's be able to play I, golf. I need a little bit more turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but other than that, you didn't have any real serious injuries. No, I mean, those are pretty pretty big. The eye. Yeah, I guess you're right. Eye injury. Was, was, other than almost losing your eye yeah. and getting a fake hip, yeah. you made it out okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't want to sugarcoat it. Yeah, they're, they're, those, those hurt pretty bad. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> I just minimized the loss of an eye. <laughs> like it was nothing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No big deal. I almost lost your eye. Yeah, you got two deal? of them. But it was, we, we, so we have since played a million men's league games together and we were playing at the bog now, now maybe two years ago now. I and mean, you lost your tooth and you're like, I played in the NHL for 14 effing years. I never lost a single tooth. Oh, that was, you were so, I was mad. I've never seen you that upset in all our years, 30 years of, of knowing each other. Cause it's amazing. Our lives. So, our lives intertwine, right? They just we went to high school together, then we went to college together, uh, and now you live in the, we live in the same town together. So it's 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 uh, it's been sort of just intertwined the whole way, and uh, but but talk a little bit about sort of the mindset uh, towards the end of your career, right? You 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 sort of knew. I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you sort of knew the last three years that that what your role was, and was that a tough pill to swallow? A uh, and sort of, and B, like, what was, what, what's the good thing that came out of it? Um, yeah, it's always tough to, 
when your role gets diminished, and it happened through injury, really. I played top four minutes with the Devils, and then with the Islanders, the injuries kind of stacked up, and when it, it was tough to get back in the lineup. Yeah. And then um, getting traded to Boston was kind of a, a shot in the arm, and it was a good hockey team, and it's a dream come true to play for the hometown team. So tell the story about when you took your first shift. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I hop on the ice, it was like, you know, two or three minutes into the game, and, you know, it was a quick play, good active stick at the blue line, causing offside, and I went down the bench like I scored a goal. <laughs> like he's fist-pumping everybody like, down the bench. Yeah, but they're sitting down, like, tra- taking a sip of water. <laughs> and Claude Julian How old the, are you at this time? Um, I was 34 years old. Okay, all right. And um, Claude Julian was the coach, and he's like, Mots, what the heck are you doing? I go, one shift, one game. I get to play in the Bruins Alumni Golf Outing. <laughs> He goes, get on the bench. My first shift lasted like six seconds. <laughs> I'm in the alumni. I'm in yeah. the alumni game. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so good. But that is a dream come true, right? Was, I mean, it was really cool and great guys. You know, they had just won the cup, and you know, we talk about accountability and everything we do, but especially in pro sports, accountability came from the GM in in Jersey, Lou Lamorella, ran a really tight ship. Um, there wasn't much in. Long Island, uh, but then in Boston, it came from the room, which was the healthiest. Yeah. But you need that accountability, you know, and it, it was really cool to be a part of that. Yeah, that's all. And just to wear a Bruin sweater growing up in Avon playing, you know, I mean, that's like every kid's dream, I yeah. mean, to play for the Bruins. If, if you if you grew up around, I mean, I know it was mine, right? And you knew all the players' names back then. Like it was... Uh, it was it was must see TV at seven o'clock on uh, on uh, Nesson or TV thirty eight right yeah, WSBK so followed by uh, the movie loft yeah, exactly. right yeah. <laughs> uh, what was that guy's name do you Dana remember Dana something Dana Hershey Dana Hershey yeah, yeah the movie loft before your time Rupia. Uh so, so yeah so th- so you you stick around for like three or four years in San San Antonio so yeah after the Bruins was a lockout and then uh, you know just kind of the writing was on the wall. Um, but I still had some stuff in the tank. I, you know, I played a bunch, and I had to wait till training camp, you know, I, you know, um, for Island to sign. So I'm ready to retire, and I get signed day one of free agency. Right. I'm like, how does this work? <laughs> so um, it was a two way deal, meaning you could be up or or down, two different you know salaries. But I, you know, the kids were settled in Duxbury, and I decided to that I would just go by myself and. Um, you know, if I got sent down or called up, I could do it with no logistical nightmares with right. schools and activities and whatnot. But um, so that was in, in Florida. So I got sent down out of camp, went to um, San Antonio and re- really enjoyed working with the younger guys. Yeah. So I was, a, you know, an older guy in the minors. And then I got called up and I was like a midseason black ace. Yeah. And like for those that don't know, it's a, a player that does, doesn't play. Practice guy. Practice player. Yeah. But I was on the team and I. I don't even know how many games, like seven games, but was able to, you know, get an NHL paycheck and, yep. and you know, play a little golf <laughs> down in South Florida. But um, pretty good living. Yeah. So, but then I got sent down uh, towards the tail end of the season and we went on a little bit of a run, but it was really cool to be a part of that. You know, there's a lot of the players who were down there, are NHL All-Stars. There's like three NHL All-Stars. Now, now that yeah. we're on that team. Yeah. And, you know, just to have a little bit of, um, you know, influence on their development early on in their careers was very reward- rewarding. And I think that a lot of organizations look for players 
like that to be an extension of the coach yeah. and be a role model. And Teach these kids how to be a pro. Yeah. I mean, I did it, you know, on the ice, you know, in the locker room and then off the ice, you yeah. know. I was teaching them how to be a pro, but yeah. they didn't. A they didn't pro pass, what? <laughs> they didn't pass the test, and the coach came down my, came down on me pretty hard. But um, but yeah, so, he came down your street. Yeah, he came down my street. <laughs> I'm gonna come down your street. What a line that is! Unbelievable. But yeah, uh, that was like one of the biggest things, though. Like I really, really enjoyed towards the tail end of my career. It kept me going, and my son Ryan and Courtney came down for my last two games and he skated out with Yeah, me. it's a great picture of you two yeah. on the ice. Just uh it's a great picture. We should try and get a picture and see if we can put it up here to, as part of the you know to show people. But I think it's on it might be is it like Twitter? Yeah, Twitter, yeah. Yeah. Um but so uh, so then then you sort of get into the professional world and uh and now you've got ring shrinks going on. Um but I, I like I have a story that I like to tell about you and Sort of, and I don't want to. Uh, there was a time where you were sort of searching, right? Would you agree? There was like you got out of college, you got out, you stopped playing. You did everything right while you were playing. What I mean by that is you went, and you got your series six, right? You got your series seven. You wanted, to, you thought you wanted to go into the financial world. You had stuff lined up, and you were like in the off season, especially when you're in New Jersey. And I don't want to tell your story, but uh, you were working in 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 New York, right? Like yeah, doing some doing some intern and fi- so you were like you were. Um, you were preparing yourself for life after hockey, which a lot of people don't do. And I know that's something that, that you're sort of passionate about. Uh, and we've had long talks about uh, how sometimes the leagues, uh, all professional leagues don't support their players once they're done playing. Right. And that's probably a conversation for a whole nother podcast. Um, but I know that's near and dear to your heart. Cause we've talked about that. Um, again, something that you've opened my eyes to like, Oh yeah, you don't even think about that. Right. A kid gets out at 35 years old and all he's ever done is hang around a hockey rink and, um, but I, so I, I was always sort of pushing you to, to just Mike, you, you, uh, you have the ability to, you're, you, 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 um, people enjoy being around you. Uh, you're a, a good networker. You're a good social guy. And we played in the, I don't know if you remember this, but we played in a, in a, in a golf tournament together. We played in the Clatter Cup. Clatter, yeah. Uh, and we're down playing the Clatter Cup, and you were sort of bouncing around, and we were talking about what's going on in everybody's lives, and you're like, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to figure out, and I'm like, uh, 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 these two kids came over, and I'm sitting with Mike, and, and to me, Mike's just Mike Motto, a guy that I've known since I was f- 16 years old, right? Nothing special, we got jokes, we make fun of each other, but to these two young kids, they were probably eight or nine years old, and they had a football, do you remember? Yeah, I do. They had a football, and uh, they came over, and they were like, Mr. Motto, Will you play football with us? And I was—I think I was probably having a beer, and, and you jumped up and you played football with him for like fifteen or twenty minutes. Uh, and these kids were like starry-eyed, right? And I'm like, whatever, Mike Mono, <laughs> throw a football both lefty and righty. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, you're awesome, <laughs> right? But it made—you I, I, came back, and I'm like, Mike, see, that's that's the gift that you have, like. And and I think you've now realized that and 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 are capitalizing on it not only with your um, uh, NHL network career but also the rink shrinks and and some of the other stuff that you're doing. Yeah, I mean to you know kind of cap off that football throwing. I just want them to not be backyard losers. Right. You know, <laughs> teach them how to throw a spiral. Throw a spiral. Throw hit them. a wiffle ball. Yeah, exactly. There's like a couple things you got to yeah. do in the backyard. Bago, and Mabel, you. swim and ride a bike yeah, are also on that list. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, it's it just it comes natural at times. I enjoy like talking to people. It's not put on, but I um, you know, I did go through the education of working for Morgan Stanley, Jack Corbett. You know, helped me out, got me part of the team, and it just wasn't for me. And uh, our boy Andy Erickson brought me in. Yep. Um, I got into the Iron Workers Union, got on the ground, learned it for a couple of years, doing some business development. It's really networking and finding jobs and staying in front of it, getting communication with GCs and developers. And yeah, so he's working at uh, Sunrise Erectors, which they should sponsor. <laughs> Sunrise Erectors for all your. No, I'm not even gonna say it. <laughs> They do. I don't. They do sidewall stuff, right? Yeah, facades. Yeah, facades. So Andy's a good friend of both of ours. Uh, great, great guy. Um, and you've been working over there for three or four years. Five. Is it that long? Yeah, it's going on five years. Wow, wow, that's a long time. Yeah, no, it's been great. Like uh, him and his brother Johnny run a great uh, operation, really family oriented, and um, you know, guys. You know, and gals that work there love working for the company. Yeah, it's a good family company. It really is. And we provide a good service for the GCs and the developers. It's things that you see on the outside and then plus, you know, from the from the steel out we're capable so, of. But now, so now you're in business development, but, but you said something that I thought was really important and, and I don't want to skip over it. You started at the bottom. You were in the field for a while, right? Yeah. No, that's, uh, Andy and I talked about it and it's, my dad had that small residential construction business, a job site is a job site. And yep. I really, uh, wanted to learn it from the ground up. So I had some education on what I would be talking about and how a job site works, how, you know, the fabric of the company is. And it just really, uh, was very beneficial for me. I just think that's, I, I, that's just, uh, I think it's so important. You hate to see someone, because I, I do think from a company standpoint, now you're part of them as you came up. You get to know all the guys and, and women that work there. And you're not sort of flying in from the side and landing at the top of the food chain and then sort of telling these people, not that you're telling them how to do their job, but now you're, you're sort of at the right, you know, you're, you're aligning yourself with the ownership team and maybe people get jealous and they say, well, this guy's just walking in off the street and he's, He's got the he's got the president's ear, or he's got the vice president's ear, and I've been here for twenty years, and I can't even get a cup of coffee with the president. And so I just think that that was just a great way to go about doing things, uh, whether it was your idea or Andy's idea, whoever's idea it was. And there's a, there's a bunch of other companies that actually Jeff Wilkinson's company they they sort of do it the same way, which I I just think is invaluable. Um, and and Rink Shrinks has been going on for how long? Uh, it's almost a year and a half. All right, so. And the Rink Shrinks is essentially, uh, well, I'll let you tell you, what is it? What's the Rink Shrinks? Well, it's an educational, PG educational podcast, you know, to, uh, you know, youth hockey, you know, surrender on youth hockey to help parents, coaches, and players, you know, navigate their developmental path at different stages, you know, and, you know, there's some crazy hockey parents out there. That's how it started. Yeah. Through, uh, you know, Brian Yandel, the, the other host that I have, um, that I work with. He was the original rink shrink. He yep. had a recurring guest on the spit and chicklets podcast. Okay. And then he brought me on, you know, he's like, you know, we try and do this. And, um, you know, it's been great. We have some good guests. So every other week we have a guest and then the other, uh, every other week is a mailbag episode with questions that we answer and, you know, it kind of runs the gamut, but you know, basically it's about the developmental path and some questions that, you know, you know, some parents just might not know if they're not from a hockey market. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is very informative. You guys do a whole bunch of other uh, events. You just did the, the street hockey event, which Hank won. <laughs> Hank's team won it. Who was coaching? I was. Another <laughs> title. 
Yep. You're going to put it right there. Oh, right, right there. Okay. Yeah. I'll show you my, I'll, uh, Rupert, I'll show you my email. I, I used to run the, the Town Cup Men's League hockey team, and I used to put all my championships. It was like a joke, right? It was like 2009. Oh, not really. Not, it was the little truth in every joke. Yeah, yeah there is. Uh, um, but, any, but you guys are doing a great job, Mike. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know it was a long drive down for you, and you sort of last minute, I know I asked you on Friday, so it was awesome having you in. Um, get, I know I know you a, a really well and get to know you a little bit more and I think uh, it's good for uh, everybody to hear stories about the little nudges that uh, that uh, guided you through your life um, but also to hear that you're giving it back uh, or gave it you know you're still giving back in your coaching but also gave it back sort of the end of your uh, end of your hockey career so appreciate it see and by the way do you see how a professional podcaster doesn't interrupt the host when he's doing his exit everybody over talks when I'm I'm, now I'm ruining my own exit. <laughs> <laughs> you talked over your own exit. I just interrupted myself. <laughs> That's, That's <amazing>. incredible. <laughs> so good. But as always, uh, if, if you need anything, uh, give me a call because uh, everybody needs a nudge. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you.